0: hey everyone episode 17 welcome back to two nobodies and i'm really excited for today's guest is someone who from a distance I've I've kind of met and, and and known, but certainly I don't think Ron has known me, but we kinda of met the other day, which has been great. Uh, Ron Hamilton of Some Works Firms. I'm really pleased to have him on the podcast. Welcome, Ron. Hello. Thanks for thanks for thanks for joining us. I do want to start today, Ron, by first of all thanking you and Sheila because about I want to say about five or so years ago, I was actually a vegetarian. I was raised a vegetarian, and there was a point at which I could no longer really um, just be a vegetarian because the proteins that I was eating just wasn't being digested very well. And so I always told myself that ever if I ever hit that point at where you know it kind of came for the sake of my own health that I would consider eating animal products. But a huge part of me being vegetarian was really from, a, from an ethical standpoint also. Being raised culturally as a vegetarian was one thing, but, but from an ethical standpoint, it became more and more important. So when I was considering eating meat, my wife, Michelle, had, we had been to the farmer's market. She started to consume some of your products. And then when I really researched your farm and then was in, then saw the invite to go to a family farm day, my goodness, I must say that I was incredibly impressed for sure. But also just the values that you guys embodied um, very much spoke to me. And I really appreciated that. And and, and to and Still to today, obviously we we, we consume and, and and very much enjoy your product. So I wanna thank you because to be honest, if it wasn't for you and Sheila and and having accessible products here in the Edmonton area, organic, certified, humane, incredibly clean products, I'm not sure if I would have made that transition and I if I did make that transition, I don't know if I'd feel as healthy as I as I do. So I just want to start off by thanking you for that.
1: Well, thank you very much. That's, uh, it always, it's always, uh, you know, uh, heartwarming to hear, you know, someone with a story like that for sure. Um,
0: one of the things that I always, I'm just going to adjust my mic here. It's a little, I think it's a little loud. Um, one of the things that, I like to do Ron, and and maybe there's some of your other customers who like to do this w- as well. But I came by the farmers market yesterday, met you in person, and, and bought a a few whole chickens. And what I like to do is uh, the reason why I buy the whole chickens is because I feel like it can actually be sort of present with, with the animal, and uh, while I'm sort of quartering it and and kind of going through that process. And something that re- that I'm reminded of, and I'm not sure if if uh, your wife Sheila still does this. But I do remember in one of the family farm days, um, her mentioning that when it came to actually processing the bird, that she was the one who who you know cut the neck of the of the chicken, so to speak, and that was her way of sort of being with the animal at that moment i'm not sure if that's still if i have that sort of story right or if if that's if that's correct but i'm often reminded of myself i I remind myself that when i'm processing this bird i know exactly where it came from and i know the people who process that and to have that connection is is so important to me and i suspect it's probably important to some of your other customers
1: yeah we still she and i still uh our, in are two jobs in the two jobs that we have in the processing plant um, my job is actually to uh, hang the birds and be with them in the live receiving area and Sheila is uh, still um, does uh, does does the bleeding on them and uh, so it's very important for us to do that we, we we as the animal is alive and then as the process of it becoming um uh, uh dead we are very very involved in that that's one thing that i don't think we'll ever not be involved with
0: now how does that connect to your values like the values that you you know had before you started farming and maybe they've evolved but is that is that a reflective thing of your values would you say
1: yeah I, yeah that's true we we do believe that you know animals as we raise them and uh as we process them um, they have to be done on as on humane as possible way, and uh, so we have really—that's really one of the things when we started farming was to raise animals humanely, uh, organically, uh, free-range outdoors as much of their life as possible, uh, weather permitting, and that, those are still really some of our some of our values.
0: Is it—is it challenging to see when you see? some other agricultural practices that maybe not take that sort of humane approach or, or the values approach. Like why was that something that was so important to you guys?
1: It goes back a long ways and it's, you know, started, started out with our, with move, uh, moving from the city to the farm and, mm. uh, you know, to, for our health, for health reasons, for our family. And, uh, but when we got to the, when we moved to the farm, we finally started raising animals it was always important to raise them um, as humanely as possible and outdoors. Uh, that's still how we started, and those values have just kept with us for, for the whole time that we have been farming, and uh, so that's that's fundamentally um, by not being uh, living or not being raised on a farm, coming mm-hmm. from a, coming from the city, not being exposed to the way animals were were raised. We we uh, we we decided we we're going to raise them in a in another way than than the conventional way, and I think that is because we we came to the farm with a fresh slate. Uh, right. our minds weren't um, in hadn't been molded in any other direction. It was we were wide open, and uh, part of that wide openness was to to try to raise or raise animals as humanely as possible.
0: So you're saying that that transition from moving from the city, not being exposed, made that a lot more made that easier. But perhaps if you had been sort of brought up in the, the traditional way of farming, maybe it would have been a little bit more difficult.
1: Yeah, that's very correct. Yeah, we uh, yeah. part part of our our learning. We we started learning. You know, the day we we uh, we bought the farm, we we started learning, and uh, one of the uh, the the things that we uh, were, uh, were learned and took courses on was actually uh, the, uh, the uh, holistic farming, uh, regenerative holistic farming. Mm. And our, our course, we took a 10 day course in 1995, uh, 96, called the holistic management course. And that really focused us into the, into the way we farm um, it opened our mind way up to a whole bunch of possibilities in, in farming. Um, it's, it also connected us with a group of people that were thinking the same way, uh, at that mm. time, um, how other farmers were thinking
0: this way. Is that what you meant?
1: That's correct. A group yeah, of people okay. that were, were thinking this way of other farmers, other pro- producers. And, uh, so we, the course really just molded us it gave us one of the things this course does is it gives us you goals in life um, and uh, you know we were able to take those goals that we have and and move forward with those goals and and uh, and again part of that was the humane raising uh, of animals we were introduced to a whole bunch of different ideas um, at that time and so uh, very unique ideas, different ideas, and from conventional farming.
0: When I think about, you know, you said 1995, I'm assuming it would have been very challenging to kind of take the approach that you guys were taking, um, especially because you're, you're trying to essentially clean the process up from from the beginning to the end across the whole chain. Talk talk to me about that maybe. Like, was that really challenging in nineteen ninety five? Were people kind of laughing at you for even considering the idea, or or did you face any resistance? Or
1: well, we grew slowly. We, you know, it was the first first couple of years were almost like being homesteaders, you know, okay. um, with with a few animals, a few pigs, a few chickens, and and some okay. cows, and and uh, and. But then we realized that you know that we could make a living on our land. We didn't need to be Homesteaders and making a living for our family, just or make making growing enough food for our family. We could actually go and make it into a business and and provide food for for other people. And um, the beginning, pe- our, our community there, um, they just thought we were we were city folks with homes, as being homesteaders. And uh, then as we grew, then uh, then our community saw that that we we were actually you know wanting to grow. We're wanting to grow food, different food, clean food, mm-hmm. and um, we we uh, our our church community that we're we're involved with uh, very mm-hmm. accepting community, um, and uh, so they accepted us as part of their community, even though we were very different, even though we were organic, you know, we raised animals outdoors. Um, they they still accepted us for who who we are, which I think helped a lot. We had a, a mentor. Um, a fellow there that has, has passed away, but he was our, he was our mentor. Um, hmm. And uh, so we weren't the only pers- pe- person in the, in the community that was thinking differently. Our mentor, okay. um, uh, Daryl, um, he was thinking differently about raising animals. I mean, he, was, he had been through a couple holistic management courses, uh, grazing animals, regenerative agriculture. That was on his radar back then even before we started so it helped to have daryl in the community thinking a little differently and so you know our community uh you know accepted us for who, who we were
0: and now you do you look back and are amazed just how much it's grown like when i feel like you're the brand of sunworks is just is so well known, at least in the Edmonton area, and I know that you guys have expanded, I think, to parts of Calgary as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and and just you know, it's it's definitely grown a whole whole bunch. Are you just you must be so thrilled, but also do you feel a sense of surprise, or how do you feel about the way it's grown?
1: I think I think what you said, a sense of surprise, is probably the best way to okay. describe it. <laughs> Because we really don't feel that you know we still we still feel that we you, you know we're growing eighty chickens when we first started. <laughs> we, grew 80 chickens. we still feel yeah. that same way as as that we're we're growing you know eighty chickens and it's it's on a much larger scale um, but we we don't really think about it it's it's mm. our life it's who we are, what we live um, and so we we really don't think that we're a large a larger operation or or anything like that we we uh you know we still go to the farmers markets we still make the still talk to people we make those relationships um you know those that is actually what powers our uh, us is the relationships we make with people and the ability to provide just clean food like this to uh to to to, to people in communities um we actually started in uh, one of the first farmers' markets we started was in Calgary, and oh, okay. uh, our, our friend of ours that was had had taken a listing management course and was in Calgary um, mm-hmm. selling beef. He mm-hmm. asked us to come down and help and sell chicken, um, and that was really some one of some of our start. Our start, we grew, we just grew, 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 grew. We the opportunities of uh, came to us. And we really never said no to the opportunities. We just uh, uh, kept on gro- kept on growing. We really wanted, and I guess the back of our mind all the time was to to uh, you know this this clean food and uh, to to as many people as possible because we knew we would get comments week after week after week, and we still do of people looking for cleaner food. Their families yes. need food for. For uh, you know with no 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 preservatives and no chemicals and mm-hmm. allergens mm-hmm. and and goes on and on and on the reasons why we why people are looking for our food. But every week we just this is reaffirmed you know this is why we're doing it and uh, and so we just we actually don't feel that we're, we're we still feel that we're Ron a shield with 80 chickens.
0: That's, that's, a, that's quite humbling for you to say that. I mean, especially since you guys have scaled up quite a bit. Um, do, you, do you ever feel like if you scaled up any further that you could be compromising your values? Or do you think those things are never in tension?
1: Yeah, and we, we've actually discussed that, uh, you know, throughout the years um, is how, whether our values uh, would be compromised and where we stop. In our Which values
0: would those be, Ron? Like, could you identify those?
1: Yeah, that would be like not not raising animals in a, in a humane way, especially okay. in a, certain, a humane way. Okay. Um, not being organic. Um, mm. You know, uh, our our employees are always very very uh, part of part of what we uh, what we do. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely not Ron and Sheila. It's we do have some absolutely fabulous people that mm-hmm. that, uh, that work with us. And uh, so those, you know, look after our people, look after our animals, um, look after our land. That's another Mm -hmm. great, another big one is look after the land. Um, And any of those values that, any of those values that would be compromised, we just won't, wouldn't go any further. Is what we do. Um, To raise more animals, we can, um, without compromising our values. We, uh, We do have land that we can use um, that, that which still used to bring chickens out of doors and our and mm-hmm. turkeys and, and, and the grazing practices that we have. Um, I know when, years ago, in, when we moved into the, the, in 2004, when we moved into the Calgary Farmers Market, the new Calgary Farmers Market in the Curry Barracks, we finally went from, from um, um, a, a fresh summer product. And then self frozen throughout the winter. We finally went to a year-round um, uh, production, and uh, my my wife and my and my two daughters at the time said, "No, Dad, we can't do that. No, you know, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it." Mm-hmm. So, we we had to, we discussed it, and then you know we said, "Okay, uh, I I came back to them. Okay, so if we get a humane certification, if we work on our humane certification to prove." To our customers that we're still raising animals humanely indoors in the winter, mm-hmm. winter. Mm-hmm. and so they accepted that, and, and we have uh, worked towards, um, you know, having a fresh product year-round, um, still underneath the uh, certified humane r- 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 scope or regulations. We uh, we started in, in um, shortly after that in 2004. It was early 2005. We went and um, had, got certified by a, a humane society, and and I can't even remember who, what it was—the Winnipeg Humane Society or the or the Manitoba Humane Society. We got we got certified through we part we, we started their program with them, worked with them to to push their program forward. Then we went to the the BCSBCA um, okay. program. One of the reasons why we went to the BCSBCA program was that organics inspectors. Would could also be a a certified humane inspector, and recently the BCSBCA's mandate is uh, has uh, they moved away from doing animal farm animals um, in their humane society uh, uh, certifying them, Um, and so we went with the certified humane um, protocol, Um, and it was uh, they they every time we move from an animal welfare organization. It seems it's, it's uh, the auditing is not harder, but is more thorough. And this yeah, uh, okay. last time we, uh, the, the certified humane is, uh, well, there was a, a lady out of Edmonton and she was down for five days, uh, mm-hmm. on the farm for five days. And uh, she is a doctor, I think she's a doctor in animal welfare is what she, she is. So really intense um, uh, uh, audits, uh, you know, but it wasn't it was wasn't intense for us because we we uh, you know we, we were always in that direction and, and constantly getting better and we get an audit. Um, it's a, no, a no different the organic audit or um, an SPCA audit or a, or a humane audit or uh, chicken producers audit or any of the other uh, the uh, the organizations that we are audited by and if they mention something and we have a non-compliance we just work towards the non-compliance and mm. and move forward and make our operation to to be compliant and it's 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 what we do
0: i was going to say if if your customers weren't so first i guess first question is are your customers really wanting this as well? Like, like the stringency that you guys apply on yourself, are are customers also sort of demanding this? That'd be the first question. And then the second question is if they weren't demanding this, would you, would, do you feel like you would still kind of continue the way that you want to continue that you want to move forward with?
1: Yeah. I'll answer your second question first is that really, okay. you know, this sure. is something we really believe in and we would, yeah. we- we would be raising chickens, if we weren't raising chickens for customers, we'd be raising chickens for our family like this, is what we yeah. would be. So, yes, the customers are, they they always, they they search for this, is what people do. Mm. Um, you know, one of the common, when we meet a new customer, a new customer comes to us and they say, well, I searched, I searched you guys out on the internet, okay, I saw what you guys do. And uh, you know, I really, really, really appreciate what you do. This is this is what I want. Um, and then also, we uh, we then at the farmers market when we introduce ourselves to new people, this is something that we, we talk to them about is our is is our values, is how we raise our animals, and the why, and also the why, is right. You know, just just super clean food for our family um uh, from uh, from humanely raised
0: animals yes yeah yeah i i think that's i think that's uh you know just it sounds like you folks are just very grounded to what you want to do and i think that in itself i would imagine would resonate with a lot of people obviously it resonates with michelle and i um because we buy your products so um i just I think it's incredible. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about that. You got into the sort of certified humane and sort of what that means. And so I probably don't need to ask more about that. But I did want to ask a little bit about, uh, I remember, I think it was the last family farm day I came to. So that probably would have been 2019 in person. And you had spoken about a new way of processing your chickens. And it was like this sort of oxygen kind of deprivation Thing. And I remember coming home to Michelle, and I said, they just took it to another level. Like, no one's asking them to do this, but they took it to another level. And I actually, you know, I, I went online to sort of research it, and I just don't know how you can get any more humane. Essentially, like, the, you're putting the birds to sleep, right, is is, is my understanding. Uh, but do you want to talk to, to our listeners about that, maybe?
1: Yeah, we've always you know, that was the one point in our, always in, in our processing that we felt, um, we could try to be better. And that's Mm. how, how to stun our birds. Um, how to, how to, how to make sure that the birds have, um, least amount of, of stress, um, as they're being processed. And, uh, we, I've researched different, um, systems many many for many years this was Mm -hmm. always when we built our plant this was always a goal um, for us to do for us to do this and uh there's a a couple different ways one is the controlled atmospheric stunning which is used as a co2 gas to put the birds to sleep and uh or there is the low atmospheric pressure stunning um that we that we have on the farm we were, we were fortunate that uh, we, we were able to uh, um, to purchase this, this unit here um, at a, It came up uh, at a very came up in Alberta here at a very reasonable cost and so the mm. minute that we were able to, to uh, it was available we, we took it on and brought it into mm. the, in the processing plant and that's very correct. The birds just go to sleep and then um you know there is from that point on there is no pain there is no pain for the birds mm-hmm. as, they're, as they're processed and it's those are one of the things that that people you know we we get people say well you know the birds just had one bad day and you know mm-hmm. they say we raise them humanely and they say well and i i've had people say well they just had one bad day and you know they don't have a bad day that day mm-hmm sleep and then uh, and then we we uh we process them um and stun them so that uh, they they basically do do not feel any pain at all
0: this is an odd question but do you because obviously you would have done this you know tens of thousands of times um do you ever notice like when the birds when you're moving the birds over i'm not sure how you transport them to the facility but like do you notice there's a little bit of change in them? Like, do they recognize that something is happening? Like that's going to be traumatic or?
1: And and that's, that's, that's a great question because we, you know, that was another one of the things we want to make sure that the birds do, do, it doesn't stress the birds at all. And so basically we load the birds in the modules and at night the birds sleep close together anyways. So Hmm. What we do is in in the in the early evening we load the birds onto the, into the modules. And so modules are um, they have drawers in them and they and they uh, so we, we pick the birds up we use two, two, uh, um, two legs by the two legs and or over top of them and just and cup them cup them in their wings and put them mm-hmm. into the into the uh, into the into the drawers. Mm-hmm. Then they're transported to the to the processing plant. The lights are shut off. Um, they uh, they they calm for all. They're totally calm for all all the all the night. They're sleeping, um, no different than they would ever sleep before. And then okay. in the morning, the modules a complete module is put into the into the into the uh, the laps, uh, and they uh, they. So there is no. Tre- there is The bird is not touched again. It's only touched to bring from the field shelters or the barns into the modules. And that's the last time they're touched. So before they, there, there is no stress.
0: That was actually the, the, I think the only part of the chain that I didn't quite understand. Because um, I think everything uh, was explained during those tours. Uh, but I never, I always thought about it after sort of what's that process like from getting the birds into there, so thank you, thank you for that. Yeah, that's um, that's that's really great to hear, and, and the fact that you're thinking about that is 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 amazing. Um, I wanted to talk shift a little bit because I remember hearing when you guys first started and you got to your land. Tell tell folks about what the land looked like? Because my understanding is that it was pretty much stripped of nutrients. It was like this sort of maybe a monoculture farm perhaps or, or something, but the soil just wasn't rich at all, and then you went through a process of building that up.
1: Yeah, the, the, the land that we had bought had been, uh, had been homesteaded um, in the early 1900s. And uh, it was poor land at that time. It wasn't great land. The trees mm-hmm. weren't great, big, huge trees. Uh, one of my neighbors told me that this this probably the reason why the folks homesteaded the land is because they never had as much land to clear because the trees mm-hmm. weren't huge. Okay, so <laughs> okay. the land was a little was was poor land at that even at that time. Um, the thirties came. The wind blew um, blew off a lot of the topsoil on the land. And then the land had been continuously farmed with monoculture cultures, as you say, for over 30 years. Um, mm. And so when we came to the farm, within the first year or so, uh, actually first two years, we started sowing back grasses you know, onto our land okay. and and making grass grasslands out of our out of our land. Our land in maybe 94, 90, 95 was totally was totally back to grasslands. All the land that we owned, we, this land is not. We've never tilled the land since then. Um, the land is always growing. Um, we've added mm-hmm. manures, animal manures from our from all of our animals. Um, you know, our compost manures back to the land, and the whole way we raise and especially ruminants, the way we raise cattle, and uh, is is to actually enhance uh, the growth of our topsoil is really mm-hmm. really what we do so what we do is we actually time control graze is what it's called is we, we move animals every day throughout our land onto onto a fresh past, uh, pasture fresh piece of grass By doing that, why is
0: that why is that more important than like if you just kind of let them go
1: so basically when we move the animals onto the, the fresh piece of grass, it, we, we move them, and they're fairly tightly compacted um, mm. into, into an area. So all the grass is either trampled or eaten in that, in that small paddock. And there's enough food for them for the day, so they're not going deep, going too deep. There's just mm. enough grass so that they'll, they'll be able to have one or two mouthfuls of the grass in um, that whole area. They tramp it down, they defecate on it, they urinate on it, and then we move them to another piece of land uh, right next to them, okay? So with electric fencing, um, that has made a huge difference in being able to control animals and being able to work with animals uh, like we do. So we give them a couple acres or an acre or a couple acres or depends how many animals we have, and give them a fresh piece of grass every day um, this is, is not very time consuming it takes maybe 20 minutes a day half an hour a day to move into a fresh piece of grass so that the, 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 the grasses do not get overgrazed. in in grasses when you have when you 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 have overgrazing, you also have very very shallow roots and so mm. Very not very drought resistant at all. When you have animals, or you have grasses that come up, even go to head, or like the meadow brown grass goes to head, and you have tall grasses. Well, the roots in that those tall grasses are very are deep into the into the ground. When they're cut off, when they're cut off and ate or trampled, those that stops that that uh, that growing of the root stops and then they use the reserves from the root to come up and and uh, and 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 grow again and some of the sp- small fiber roots they they die off and that's actually how you could how you store carbon is that in that in that whole system that pulsing right. of, the, of the of the land and we're using animals to pulse the uh, the land very very similar to how the bison for you mm-hmm. know, thousands of years, ago, well, thousands of years, on our in our in our uh, in our North America in North America and, and especially around the Edmonton area was was the tall grass prairie. And uh, you know, I years ago, I, I I ended up talking to a lady that was in her nineties that had come out to to a community just east of east of Edmonton, you know, out on the prairies, and she said that. Their, their, her parents wouldn't let her and the kids w- walk in the grass because the grass was too tall they were afraid they would get they would lose the kids in the grass, <laughs> the grass okay. was that high. she talked about grass being being to the uh, to the over uh, over the belly of a horse um, okay. that's how tall the grass was so that tall grass prairie we still see that here in, in when we get the rain and and uh, And we can get grass that is as high as six feet high. Uh, I have pictures of grass that is over six feet high. So when you get that grass, you put animals into it, you knock all that, all that down. It's all just, it's basically flat on the field. It's got, it's got manure on it, urine on it. Um, and then all that grass comes down and then the microbes start to eat it. And, uh, um, you know, there's the whole ecosystem of the, of the, of the grasslands comes alive again and ultimately correct. You, uh, you, uh, you make topsoil.
0: You've probably got some amazing, like large earthworms and just all kinds of activity going under the soil. Have you ever got it tested or really like dug deep to kind of see what it looks like down there or?
1: We, yeah we take a shovel out every once in a while and just just go down and, and see and, and see what we're doing there and you, you can uh, you can actually see the, the the humus on the top you can see the the, the roots you can see the the, the, the fibers and uh, and it you just you can see where the topsoil has has grown um, and that's really uh, to grow topsoil is is very um, is a long-term, very, very long-term. It doesn't grow very, very fast. Um, mm-hmm. Every year is a different, just, just no different than a tree and a tree ring. You mm-hmm. know, if you look at the tree ring, It's every ring is a different sure. different width. And in some years, you can grow topsoil a lot easier, uh, faster. In um, other years, you know, it's a little drier. The conditions aren't quite as well. That year is, is not, you don't grow topsoil as quite as fast
0: you're t- you're just talking about sort of dry conditions like in alberta we can get really dry summers i mean the last couple of summers have been pretty wet but i'm not sure what it's been like on your farm how would you say you talked about that the soil and improving the soil health and having these these grassroots go down quite a distance can really make things drought resistant what happens during those dry periods do you find your your farm is pretty resilient to to dry conditions because you've worked out the soil.
1: Yeah, that's uh, we we do when we do get to shower. When we do get a shower, our soil is like a big sponge. Amazing. And it just all the humus on the top of it, um, the roots, um, it just sucks up that soil. When we first came to the farm and started uh, pasturing pasturing poultry raising animals uh, our poultry in the out um, a rain would come along a half inch rain come along we'd be running out to our chicken shelters to make sure that there was there was no challenges with the chickens because of the rain now mm-hmm. we can go out and it can rain an inch and we have no problems at all um, because all this organic matter, it pulls that, that, that water into the, into the, into the soil and and the soil, then it it can filter down into, um, deeper into our, into our soil. We're not with the organic matter on, we're not drying it out. The sun doesn't dry it out. It's not, it's not this piece of black that the, the, uh, the sun just dries, um, totally out. It's, Mm -hmm. it's this, this greenery on it. There's, there's, um, uh, like I say, the organic matter. It really works well in a, even though there may be a downpour and we get an inch and a half, when that inch and a half comes, it doesn't run off, it stays on our land.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that's important for so many, you know, reasons. Um, you know, people talk about sort of uh, with cattle farming and the runoff from water, uh, and how that can affect water systems and all that. Like you're not, you, I would think you're not really contributing to that. And even from like a climate change perspective, more mainstream is attention is being focused on the importance of, importance of soil health as sort of sequestering carbon. I don't know. Did you have you heard of this study that came out of Georgia, uh, a Georgian farm? I think it's called White Oaks, and they had a third party. I think their farm is like three thousand acres. It's it's a sizable farm. Uh, but they had a third party, uh, um, group study their farm and they do a lot of this sort of, uh, regenerative farming, very similar, if not the same, to sort of what you guys do. Um, and they're, they're mainly a cattle farm, but they have a- other animals as well. And I think it's the same process that you just spoke about, but they found that I think I have here, um, they their net emissions is at a, at a negative so they have a negative 3.5 kilograms of co2 of emissions per kilogram of meat because their soil has been um uh worked in so well and they have just just amazing land that they're actually sequestering more carbon than they're emitting from their from their agricultural practices i'd be curious if if you guys hit a similar mark i would think
1: Sequestering carbon through agriculture is, is, uh, I think, is a one way that we can actually uh, work with climate change. Um, we, you can sequester carbon through agriculture. Mm-hmm. You have to work at it. it has to be, uh, you have to be. You have to monitor it. It's got to be quantifiable. Um, but through force, through force, through good forestry practices, through uh, urban force. Through uh, through agriculture land, we can we can um, um, sequester carbon. Uh, we can sequester f- from up to f- from fifteen uh, tons per hectare and up. Some of the studies have shown. Mm. And if you were to do the math on our agriculture land that we have uh, here in Alberta, and it was to be well managed to to sequester carbon, we worked at it to sequester carbon. Even though our oil and gas industry is is it doesn't emit a lot of carbon in the whole process, we could take that carbon out and actually uh, and put it back into our lands, into our forest, into our urban urban forests, into our agriculture. So we really we really feel that I really feel that this is something that uh, we will see in the in the long term is that you know we will we will get paid. To sequester carbon, hmm. um, and uh, you know our oil and gas industry here in Alberta, um, I feel we we if we own those car- if we own that carbon, uh, we know how much carbon we're putting out. We own it. Well, let's use an Alberta-made pro- Alberta-made solution to bring that carbon back out and actually work hard as a province to actually pull our pull the carbon uh, emissions back and move them into the ground and it could be through there's other other ways carbon uh, carbon capture um and storage yeah. storage four or five different ways that we can use it but agriculture will still be the backbone of that
0: so then you know you're making a good long-term case for why just from even sort of being part of a carbon trading process for, you know, having the type of farm that you do, what is, what is preventing conventional farmers from almost adopting the kind of style of farming and organic farming? Is it, is it, is it purely just money? And and is it, is that sort of what's driving it? Um, Because I would think, you know, this might be a naive question, but I would think there's probably, there are probably a lot of farmers who, have the values and want to share in the same values that you and and your wife do but you know for other reasons that's driving them they're just not moving forward with that what's your take on that like why why aren't other people why aren't large conventional farmers switching to this method
1: and i guess i guess that's you know you just said it there large conventional farmers okay farming is going into a very very uh large farms where the smaller farms are disappearing um the closer you are to the to the city um you do you, you see smaller farms uh you know quarter section farms and stuff like that but as we mm-hmm. get out into the get get out into the into the into the farming community uh large farms are the norm you know tens of thousands of acres large mm-hmm. farms and it's it is a, it is a system that can can be used from one end of Alberta, from or to the other end of Alberta, North American wide. How do you how do you plant tens of thousands of acres in a spring, and and uh, and do it as quickly as possible? Um, and uh, so this it's 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 a prescription. It's easy um, uh, to do. Um, there's the 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 whole agriculture industry has invested very, very heavily into this whole system of agriculture that we have right now. Mm -hmm. So that's, to me, that's the, uh, that I used to say is that if we spent the same amount of money or half the amount of money that the the conventional industry spends on research, on on, uh, technology, and if we spent that on organic farming compared to conventional farming, we would probably we would see a quantum leap in our in our in our organic farming practices yields um a lot of different things even from grain um you know we were starting to see some some progress in 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 actually um uh selecting grains that would work in an organic system compared to a uh, to a mm-hmm. conventional system a lot of the even the the, the The breeding, the plant breeding, the grains breeding, has been being bred for conventional systems, which is a different plant than an organic system. Um, You know, they they need different, there's different needs. So it is, it's a, the conventional industry is very, very entrenched. And uh, it's very hard to move people um, and industries um, and we, we are known in the industries, all the way through all the industries, as organic. So there is organic there, we're, we're accepted, um, mm-hmm. but we're not really a part of, of uh, we don't, we're not making a real difference right now, just with the amount of acres that we have, the amount of animals we have, um, it's not it, it doesn't make that much of a difference.
0: So what would what would need to happen for for things to change? Is this more of a consumer driven uh sort of revolution or, or a shift that would or sorry, something that was consumer driven that would create the shift? Or is this, you know, more on the on the supply side? Like is there a big shift in industry that needs to happen? Like you talked about sort of you know allocating research dollars a little bit differently towards organic farming maybe that would be that would create a shift but what's your i'm sure it's not a simple black or white sort of yes it's the consumers who are really going to drive the shift but but what's your take if if you were to say here these are the these are the things that would really create some tipping points
1: well, from a, from a carbon carbon point of view that would be if we did get paid agriculture did get paid or sequestering carbon. Sequestering carbon. Okay. It would yeah. just that would would change a lot of the ways people farmed. Okay. If that was an actual part of their farming operation, they could get paid for it. Um, that would 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 like I say that would be a, a, a huge thing, in from a carbon point of view, from an organic point of view, the consumer definitely, the health system definitely. Um, those are some of the some of the drivers. Um, uh, to 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 do that uh, to change to people to be organic um, when you realize that that our our whole food system and is is uh, again based on conventional agriculture so it starts it starts at the plant ends up in the the mouth of the consumer but it also you know it also goes back all of those companies involved are there are based on, mm. on, on 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 conventional farming practices, um, unhealthy, not very healthy food food production, or uh, the options. Um, you know why why do we have a soft drink industry? You know that's with that's been proven and shown, and, and that that the amount of sugars in foods are 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 not very healthy at all. Okay, absolutely. Uh, you know, cancers, they, they say, stay away from sugar, you know, just, you know, keep your sugars down, um, is one of the, one of the things the doctors do tell, tell the patients, you know, stay away from the preservatives in the, in the food, mm-hmm. the chemicals in your food. The mm-hmm. system is not, is, is half, would have to change dramatically and it's, it's, the consumers would drive it, but they would have to drive it through, through government, you um, they, they, they would have to drive it through their supermarkets their governments um, a multi multi-pronged to ever change anything um, dramatically you see in Europe it, it, it you know we organics is a little bigger than we are here mm-hmm. but not by you know not fifty percent yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's still it's it, it's still a smaller part of the, the, the and they've been They've been uh, they've been trying for more, more years to change to um, to a, to a uh, uh, you know more organic and government even from a government point of view um, but it still takes time to change. Um,
0: well, I was um, just gonna like I think I, I remember uh, hearing maybe three or four years ago when uh, McDonald's said that they were going to shift to it might have been free range eggs. I don't really know. It could have been free run. But nevertheless, the whole point was that it's these big buyers and these big purchasers like McDonald's that can really shift agricultural systems. And until these big players don't make these shifts, um it's great that individual consumers are asking for these things, but in terms of shifting an entire industry, it's really these big players that make the difference.
1: Yeah, you know, we don't in Canada here we, we're such a small country such a small, large country that we—it's very hard to to make these to make these uh, the, the 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 to have the, even the consumer in the North America in the North American um, uh, or even processors in North America to uh, to 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 do much to change. We see mm-hmm. it slowly but surely. You know, I mean, General Mills is and, and they are they're really pushing for regenerative agriculture in in buying some oh. of the grains. Um, we do see uh, people taking colorants and 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 preservatives out of food. You know, larger corporations. Um, slowly but surely, we're we're moving somewhat to a you know there are I guess light at the end of the tunnel. We're moving that direction and being pushed by consumers. Um, but it's a, it will be a slow it will be a slow process.
0: the 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 health angle is interesting. Like just talking about sort of the benefits to to one's health, and you you spoke a little bit about your story and how you guys um, you and Sheila st- started this because of uh, how it would benefit your family's health. I kind of wonder if that's something that you get asked about a lot, whether whether your products are actually going to sort of make a difference. And yes, I understand that it's clean entirely, but really, does that matter? Do you get that question often, or, or do people kind of uh, challenge that thinking?
1: Yeah, the, the consumer from a farmer's market is, is a different, somewhat of a different consumer than a, than a uh, than True. A yeah, OK. Market. So um, people come to a farmer's market just to experience the farmer's market. There's an experience that goes along with that, almost ends up sometimes being entertainment for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other people do come to a farmer's market because they're searching for better food, they're searching for something different. Um, we do get people ask uh, us about our food, uh, you know, what's in our food. Um, we, we put that out quite, uh, quite strongly you know, what, mm-hmm. how our, food, what our food is, um, um, so that's, it's, uh, the farmer's market really is, is a great way to, to actually connect with people, talk to people, tell our story, talk to about our food, talk to about our food, talk to about the, the, the health benefits of our food. Um, we, we do get these, they, they do get people customers come back and talk to us about all sorts of food related and health related um, uh, stories and we mm-hmm. we have to learn to be good listeners because people especially when they're having uh, health challenges are you know they're they're very they're very involved in their health challenges and they're mm-hmm they they're wanting they want us to listen to their story um about their 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 health journey and uh you know we our family is has has a health journeys too with our with all the allergies and the and the uh um and and some of the she does fibromyalgia and, and various uh, health challenges we've had over the years and so we can connect with those people because we understand their their health journey. We've been on health journeys ourselves, so we can connect with those people, and we can show them that yes, our food is cleaner, is better. Um, you know, we had a had numerous people come to us and say, "Look at me now! I've lost how many pounds by eating right. you know your food, by just a better diet, and that was part of how." They lost the weight was because of of their diet and also uh, you know just using eating our our food was the basis of the of this or getting better people you know feeling better they come back and they say you know we we I feel so much better um, we we use naturopaths um, we we started out in 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 the early yeah, early nineteen uh, early nineteen nineties you you working with naturopaths over the years, got to many know many of the naturopaths in the in the Calgary and Edmonton area, um, and so that's uh, where our our health, how we look after our health, is through food, um, using uh, using our, our advice from our naturopaths, um, and uh, so totally connect with people on a on a health
0: Uh, um basis well you'll um you'll have to connect with my wife because she's also a naturopathic doctor here in edmonton so uh we'll have to connect you a little bit more closely yeah Yeah. um when one of the things i noticed when i and i will say that i we we i will admit to you ron that we would love to buy your products 100 percent of the time but sometimes it gets a little expensive for us but we try our best but what i say what i will say is that when i will quarter up a chicken from a conventional farm versus yours I do notice a difference I notice a difference even by the the composition of each animal and so when I when I and I and I've done and I've done this many times to I feel to 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 say that my observation is consistent enough that maybe there's some truth to it. In that, with the with a conventionally raised bird, I find that the meat is a lot more watery and a lot um, it's a lot softer and not as dense. I definitely notice more broken bones because I suspect that has to do with the handling of the animals. Um, whereas I never find a broken bone in any of your animals, and I do find that the meat is more um, just just dense and thicker and holds together a lot. Uh, a, a lot better. I don't know if, if there's something with the feed or, or what that has to that explains that, uh, but that's got to mean something.
1: Yeah, they I'll start off with uh, the price the the price uh, um, on that, and that is something that Sheila and I, just you know we we have tried to keep our prices as low as we can. Um, we mm-hmm. that is something our our our, our family. Has said is is one of our goals is to, to feed people, and if you have an extremely high price product, well then it's you can't you don't feed people. Um, you know they there's only a certain portion of people that can be can be sure. can eat your product. So, uh, but saying that we do get people from all walks of life, from from every mm-hmm. every every uh, yeah everywhere. Um, coming and 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 buying our food. Some people eat eat less meat. We uh, and we, uh, you know, we are not. Um, uh, what I tell people myself is that eat less meat. Eat better meat if you're gonna if you're gonna hmm. eat uh, meat. So you know, in their in their families' diet, they may not eat as much meat, but they come to us to eat better meat. Is what they do. Um, the chicken raising is is an industry. There's 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 billions of chickens raised every year. In billions and billions of chickens raised every year, um, in 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 the world, and um, um, it's all and it basically goes back to to the farmer making making money. How can I how can mm-hmm. I make money on this bird? Okay. So there are many ways that, um, that, uh, people in conventional, uh, people, uh, raise, raise their birds to be profitable. And, uh, that is, we need to be profitable, but we're also trying to grow, um, a better bird is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, the feed is different, our feed is different, it's organic, um, you know, where where our spacings different in our birds, our density that we have uh, from an SBCA and also a certified organic is way lower than a conventional raised bird. Um, we're not transporting them for you know for hundreds and hundreds of miles to to mm-hmm. process the processing plant. The whole system that we have is different, so different than the conventional system that I I. That's probably the reason why you're seeing a difference in the bird because every mm. part of the process is different It's the same We raise the same bird We it's raised the same chickens are raised the same are not raised the same but chickens grow um, On a conventional farm and an organic farm they still get a chick we raise the chick the chicken and we process it but it's it's the, it's the other than other than that we, there's a lot of differences in the in the conventional raised chicken and in our in our raised chicken
0: when so we were talking with we were talking with the price point and and that's really encouraging to hear that that's that's a priority for for your family to sort of keep that and really feed people but i think a, i suspect a question that still people have though is just generally like why is organic food and, and organic meat like why is it so expensive like um you know if, or, and this is maybe a naive point of view again, you know, you're talking about cattle, if they're just sort of eating the grass and it's sort of self-sustaining itself, like you would think like there's less input costs and, and, um, and so on, you know, I can't speak for the birds themselves, but even the birds, you know, the, the, the chickens are eating from the ground and I'm sure I know you're feeding them the, I think alfalfa and some other kind of grains and stuff. But what 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 is what is really the the drivers for why organic, and certified humane and free range? Why is that? Why is it so so much more expensive? Is it just the the scaling like economies of scale where these large farms um, just are able to, to, to really drive down costs? Can you speak to that?
1: The scale is definitely is definitely part of it. Um, you know we we use different we use different production methods in the grain in growing grain um we're not using uh, uh you know npk um and and mining it and uh and you know bringing it from uh, from a, an artificial source for our for our plant's nutrients um we're using mm-hmm. cover crops we're using regenerative practices um we're sequestering carbon um you know that so when you when you The grain is more expensive for the feed Um, the scale isn't there um we there's uh and so that really is the supply um there's not as in Mm -hmm. in the world there's not as much organic uh grains in the world organic production in the world um you know there the uh it goes into not only animal feed but it goes into human feed and and uh so with with all the the the, the the feed uh, cost being higher uh, the labor cost being higher um, and not, uh, looking after the land um, you know being very conscious of uh, looking after the land um, there's a lot of different reasons why regenerative uh, you know regenerative agriculture is more expensive than 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 conventional agriculture um, and and uh, the more regenerative agriculture that we have, well, then it's going to help all of us um, as uh, you know grow grow a, a, a different food system.
0: Could you can can anything be done from a from a poli- from a government standpoint, or or you know, are there is there anything else that could be done external to this or the the industry that can really help drive down organic food prices?
1: It's even on a on a distribution uh, from from one you know uh, distribution uh, system. Um, you know, there's there's so many uh, uh, there's so many people that this even this this food that we get goes through so many people. Um, you know, major uh, uh, grocery stores will go right to uh, you know will right to Heinz. And, and Walmart will go right behind mm-hmm. to, to buy right from them. Okay, here we get a lot mm-hmm. of layers of, of, of people in there to that take um, that 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 do uh, you know uh, just because of the volumes and the and the outlets that we see that they're not like a, a, the major food stores, um, like so that's part of one of the reasons of the price. Continue back, can you get back to the question? I sort of lost it there, sir. Yeah.
0: No, that's okay. It, it was it was more of like whether whether governments or whether somebody else like another. Whether whether what what are some other measures that could be taken to potentially reduce, or uh, organic food prices or organic meat prices.
1: Um, just the acceptance of the more that there is, um, there will accept accept it. Uh, the acceptance of the consumer, the more product that there mm-hmm. is. Uh, the more the whole organic system is, grows, um, then the prices will, will come down. Um, yeah. But at the same time, we want to make sure that, that, you know, we still do call, uh, you know, apples to apples and oranges to oranges because not all organic folks raise chickens the way we raise chickens. We are, yes. um, you know, when you go to, uh, to a natural food store, um, you know, there are chickens there that are raised, or like Costco, they're raised differently than ours, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they're cheaper. And, uh, you know, so mm-hmm. we have, like I say, we have more labor in ours. We have, we're, our, our agriculture practices are, are regenerative with, especially, we're, we're wanting to move our animals out of doors, raise them out of doors so that they're totally out of doors, um, uh, in a free range, in a free range system. Which isn't that isn't regulated into a um, into the organic standards that they have to be uh, mm-hmm. uh, raised in a, in a in a in a chicken shelter way that we raise them outdoors in the in the in the summertime. Um, we I feel that this is maybe way the organic industry may be moving, and I would like them to move, and I have pushed the uh, the. The organic industry to move forward into more of a regenerative, into a more of a, you know outdoor production, uh, making sure and more of humane, um, and that's that's part of what I what I've done when I was on the uh, you know the Canadian General Standards Board Organic Technical Review Committee that sets the standards for for uh, organics in Canada. Um, I've been on. I uh, worked for them for almost, worked on those committees for almost uh, 20 years. And part of my push is always to move forward in higher animal welfare, um, more regenerative uh, practices. Um, and that's really part of where my push has been.
0: And what's the resistance when you were on the board that you would get? Or are, are they moving towards this Is just sort of taking time? Or is there active resistance against that?
1: It will take time. You know, the uh, the 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 um, uh, industry is still is still an industry. We do have um, the, the 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 different um, uh, you know the chicken producers, of our Canadian chicken producers or chicken farmers in mm-hmm. Canada. You know, um, they are entrenched in different in their industries. Okay, and uh, you know so. Uh, it, it, slowly but surely, we will move forward to that. In fact, you know, all of the the, uh, the 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 commodity boards, the chicken farmers of Canada, egg producers of Canada, turkey farmers of Canada, all of those folks, you know, from when I when we started in the industry, they have moved forward in their animal welfare standards. Um, they have moved forward uh, significantly in the last uh, ten years. When we started, when we were certified humane in two thousand five, no mm. one, no one heard us of being certified humane. No one had heard of right. you know, standards. Okay, and when you realize that that's not that long ago, okay, you know we're we're in in time in life, you know that's not that long ago, and all of the the commodity boards have moved for you know further and further for higher animal wealth, welfare standards. So it's a it's a slow process and we just got to make mm-hmm. sure that the organic standards are in the forefront of this that we never mm-hmm. meant that we we um we we try to be um a little bit higher than the commodity uh industry is what what we, and we are with our some of our uh some of our uh space limits or density limits um but on floor for floor raised uh, the conventional industry right now for floor raised birds is the same as the organic industry, you know, at uh, 2.07 mm-hmm. square feet per per bird. Um, so, you know, we we are, the con, the conventional industry has moved, and the chicken farmers, the egg farmers of Canada have moved towards our organic humane standards. And where are we going to go next? Is that actually moving birds outdoors and to have their, their, mm-hmm. their life out of doors? Rather than in a free-range pop hole system, um, you know the last standards that we have, we actually have to, we have to uh, um, uh, supply in a in a pop hole free-range system. We actually got to uh, have some enrichments. We have to have some shade. And we have to have uh, to encourage the birds to move out outdoors.
0: Could these birds actually live all year outdoor? especially uh, in no, canada uh, and alberta not in canada okay uh, BC, okay okay
1: yeah, well even in bc because of the, the wet and the cold and everything yep. that. so whether yep. we're, we're talking always talking weather permitted is what we are so okay but
0: okay even there um, when when these no sorry go ahead ron please
1: even when they're even when they're indoors in the in the wintertime we want to make sure that they're that they're uh, um uh their life is is better uh than the conventional system even indoors
0: Mm -hmm. uh with if we did raise these organic standards what is your reaction to the question of like can organic feed the world like can can you know if everyone's sort of shifted to this way of agriculture could we actually feed the world um with these sort of higher standards what's your what's your general reaction when you get that kind of question
1: so that goes back to what I talked to you about before. If we, if we did the research that needed to be done um, and mm-hmm. had, a, had the money that was spent on research, the money that has been spent on research for the last, uh, you know, since Second World War on conventional uh, farming practices and had that research done into, a, into an organic uh, regenerative agriculture system, We had that that research done. um, I feel that we would there would be no problem to feed the world because we we would be doing we would be doing many other things with our land. We'd be intercropping. uh, We'd be cover cropping. uh, We'd Mm -hmm. be uh, um, the, the, the practices that we would have and the and the knowledge that we would have. We we could definitely feed feed the world. Um, feeding the world co- is coming at a but does come at a price, and we're seeing that price right now. of Feeding the world, sure, um, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, is is so we 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 have to see whether whether food um, grown in North America should feed the world, uh, or Canada should feed the world, or should we you know uh, feed the world where where the uh where where those people live um to feed the rest of the world Mm -hmm. the other question too can we do we want to do we want to go into a monoculture um agriculture conventional agriculture system in a in a country where maybe we should still go back and actually feed the people right on the land that they live on or in the communities right keep it local yeah
0: yeah 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 um could could regenerative um could regenerative farming then yeah i guess I guess no that that make that makes some sense i was gonna I was taking my thinking somewhere else but yeah I think you answered that question um so then what do you what do you see as sort of the next major developments when it comes to organic? agriculture and regenerative farming farming is it you talked about the standards but like just from a are there any other major developments that you're sort of tracking to to sort of really more to push the boundaries and to push the limits of your of your type of farming
1: and that that is basically the acceptance of of regenerative regenerative farming in the community um yep. very yep not really accepted really well um you know we're we're getting people out there that are showing that these practices can happen. And I think that's really where we need to, to work on is, is to have some leaders in the field actually out there um, that are showing that we, can, that we can use as regenerative practices. Um, our carbon, carbon sequestering is, is going to be a big thing. Sequestering carbon is going to be a big mm-hmm. thing in the next number of years move towards um organics and and uh and 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 land uh land management working together working with them together um i think that's uh, uh we're not we're not in separate camps we're not we need mm-hmm. to think of the big picture here that we're all working for the same same goal and that's just super clean real food um you know the that's that's good for the land good for the animals and i think that's where we need to all look we need to to work together as as different organizations but not combating each other and saying that we're better or we're worse but we're all working for the same goal
0: Mm -hmm. that's well said uh i want to shift just kind of at the end actually back to Uh, cattle and then also talk about another animal. But uh, I always see this question about grass fed and and grain fed beef. And I was reading about sort of how you raise your animals and, and reading about uh, the cattle. And there is a point in, in the way you raise your cattles where you do feed them some grain, if I'm not mistaken, or there's like a, I think you said something about finishing. So I can't remember exactly what it was, but
1: yeah, no, we never, we don't finish our animals on grain. Okay. We, we use okay. a grass-based diet, um, and uh, we we do use alfalfa meal, okay, which is uh, which is the the dried alfalfa uh, pellets, is what it is. So it's a grass base, and so we use that as mm-hmm. our as our energy source, especially in the wintertime, and and high quality hay. Try to get as high quality hay as we can, and and uh, realizing that animals. <laughs> You know the whole natural cycle of animals is that they will get, you know, put on a lot of weight, gain a lot of fat in the summer, and then as the winter goes on, as the winter goes on, they get they do get leaner, and especially in March before the grass comes, our animals can get quite lean. Uh, we try to use them with the hay and with the alfalfa pellets. We try to keep as much of their of their condition their finish on, but the animals do get leaner. And then all of a sudden the mm. summer comes and, and, you know, the, the, the meat changes a little bit and the, mm. and a little fatter. And it's just, this is nature cycle is what it is. So it's not by feeding a lot of grain to animals, you get the acidosis problem. Uh, there's many, many reasons why feeding a lot of grain to animals is not a, not a good, a, a good reason. Um, and, uh, you know even when animals are grazing in the summer there's there's uh, methane microbes that are down just uh, you know right on the, the surface of the earth actually you know and, and taking in some of the methane that, that, that the cattle the cattle have have, have put out and uh, this is a new something new I've been reading about is that these microbes actually thrive on the methane from the from the cattle mm. the grass finished cattle and uh, so there's nature has has worked for thousands and thousands, millions of years. It knows now. what it's doing, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> yeah.
1: a ruminant is why does it have four stomachs Okay, Well, that's to eat to eat grass. Um, right. And not saying that an animal will come into a to a, a grassy area that has the plants have went to seed. And they, they chew off all the all the seed off the off the uh, meadow broom or the or the grasses or, or some of the mm-hmm. other grasses that we have there. They'll chew off the seeds. But at the same time, they in the in the springtime they're back onto, uh, onto fresh grass before that mm-hmm. before that grows. Uh, no different than you know the, the bison that we had here in this country or for the millions and millions of bison that we had in this country. And the way they shaped our land and and uh and created topsoil and and uh um they would they would basically eat what was available and go around and as they as they trampled the ground and and came back and back the thunderstorms would come um put a lot of water back onto the land uh, the fires would start in the springtime come through keep the prairie open fires would come through the the, the, the tall grass from the year before and they would, mm-hmm. they said that the the fires could go as 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 fast as uh, as 100 kilometers an hour and they mm-hmm. would come through the, the the anywhere where there was trees young trees or willows and they just sear the leaves right off that and they kept the prairie that's how the prairie kept, mm-hmm. kept going mm-hmm. but that carbon would fall down when when it was burnt off the top of that wouldn't burn into the ground it was going so fast the fire the carbon would come down in the ground drop down into the ground and act as a as a as a source uh, of nutrients for the for the plants Being it was a yep. it was a, a cycle that was so so complete and uh, so basically as as an animal that's what we're or as a farmer we're trying to replicate that cycle sure
0: sure can you be as productive in in engaging in regenerative farming of cattle um than you would compared to conventional sort of grain fed cattle
1: um you're put, it's a different product you know yeah, okay so, so um you know uh, in, in a f- feed lot and then we have to go back and take a look at the carbon the carbon footprint of of all of what we do too i um, mean at this, at the same time different product different carbon footprint um, they push animals a lot faster through using grain. Using grain, they they're they're not you know 24 to 30 months old. They're you know 16 months old maybe. Um, and so it's a different it's a different product, a different process. Um, can we be as productive? Um, the yeah, that that's uh, maybe not as productive, but then at what cost? You know, where, hmm what is the cost through the, through the system and through our environment to do, to do that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you spoke about bison. This is sort of my last question here is, uh, have you guys thought about farming bison? Is it, what are the challenges with that? Because I do see uh, there are more farmers in Alberta at least who are moving towards farming bison as opposed to cattle.
1: Bison are, um, they're, they're an animal that requires fencing um they're they're a very wild animal they're mm. um and they uh are can be very aggressive um and especially in the handling in the handling production okay and so we we've decided no we're we're you know that isn't going to be part of our of our farm we've got we've got other animals we've moved into uh just raising sheep now and oh, okay let uh, so, um so we that's some of the direction that we went in rather than a bison with we'll go with a sheep uh, you know they can't hurt you real bad so
0: yeah okay uh ron i have i usually ask two questions and i usually send them to uh the guest, but i forgot to do that so hopefully you can just kind of play along and, it, and if you don't have the answers that's okay but it's more so about you and in the sense of uh, so the first question is if there are five people dead or alive that you could have sort of a meal with you could have them collectively or you could have them on their own. Who would those five people be?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a, a hard, hard question. I mean, some of our, some of our mentors, you know, that we, we've, we've had mentors um, it, it's still, still great to read some of their, pro, their, their and talk to them and so read some of their, their, uh, their, their material. And uh, you know, those, I think that's someone that would help us, you know, anybody that would help us move forward in our, in, in what we do, um, and and we could bounce ideas off of and and discuss um, uh, various ways of, of how we farm and and uh, and our and our lives, um, you know, people that that help us uh, help us in our in, in moving forward in our in our business to uh to to uh to grow to grow food like we do so those would be the people that i would i would Mm. like to have um discussions with or have a meal with okay
0: yeah right and what would you be eating
1: um basically i i eat uh i eat chicken is yes okay that's my my food and and uh you know garden garden vegetables you know we're still eating potatoes from our from our garden last year so okay. we produce lots of garden vegetables and, and 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 chicken chicken thighs
0: what's your what's your favorite way of cooking chicken thighs
1: uh just basically in the oven with some with some uh, herbs and and uh, and uh, you know in the in the winter some squash and some and some potatoes that's really in the oven just baked you know that's, Love it. that's my very, very favorite way yeah,
0: yeah love it uh last question is uh besides sort of the circle of life what do you know for life what do you know in life to be for sure like what's true about life (laughs) i should have sent you this question before (laughs) i feel like i feel really bad asking you this now but
1: the what is what is true in life is that you know is is our children and uh, again that goes back to to my grandchildren um, my grandchildren are getting older. My oldest grandson is, is fifteen right now. Have a have a tremendous bond with my with my oldest grandson, mm-hmm. um, and uh, as well as my other grandchildren. And where Sheila and I can in, 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 and and can put the foundation, you know, those 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 things about being good people. You know, being good for your good for your community. Good for your society. Uh, good, uh, uh, that is the fundamentals that we wanna we wanna put into those children. And as being grandparents, um, we can put those into. We can talk about those values um, with with our grandchildren, and they'll carry on, and they'll move. Gen- they'll move generations um, from what you know. We we talk to them about what our values are, they will continue on with these values and, and move forward in, in future generations. And so that's, I really feel that that's one of the, you know, really important things is to to talk to your children or grandchildren about mm-hmm. um, life and everything. There's no topic our grandchildren, with our grandchildren that's off that you can't talk about it. You can talk about everything. Sure. And, and so and but also our perspective, our values that we have, and uh, you know, they know Grandpa and Grandma were organic farmers. They know they were regenerative farmers. And uh, you know, my daughter, my two daughters, they're both involved in our in, in the in the industry, in their, in the organic mm-hmm. industry. Um, they're they, this will this will continue on.
0: I I, I just want to I just want to thank you thank you that was uh, very well said I could honestly Ron I could probably talk to you for another hour or two but it's a Sunday and Sundays are precious and I am very grateful that you even took you know almost about ninety minutes here with me and and just again grateful for you and Sheila and what you guys do for uh, you know hundreds thousands of families in producing the quality products that you do we will always continue to to support you and will you know come to your family farm days my my daughter who's three has been to a couple of them and I know she's just gonna continue to look forward to them year after year so please do not stop those because we love them uh, I uh, yeah I just I just want to thank you because there, I, I've always had so many questions and when Kyle and I were scoping out where we wanted to take the podcast and potential guests I said we have to have someone from sunworks and and he agreed and he he sends his regrets that he couldn't uh sort of be on the podcast today but he uh certainly buys products from you guys as well so i just want to thank you again for your time and hopefully people get a lot out of this. Uh, to folks who are listening, I'll post links to Some works Farms if you ever want to check them out. Uh, they have an Instagram page. We'll link to them as well. And they have a lot of great information on their website about how they raise their animals and the details, which is why I didn't really get into too much of that today. Uh, but it's it's filled with incredible amount of transparency, which you know anyone who's a consumer and wants information really crazed for that and they provide that. So thank you again so much, Ron. Appreciate your time and I will see you at the farmer's market.
1: Great talking.
0: Thank you, Ron. Bye-bye.